All right, ladies and gentlemen, my first guest up today is someone I've known for five years. <laughs> and his name is DJ Davis. Hello, DJ. How are you today? Hey, what's going on? Oh, you know what is going on? The heat. It is so hot today. And, you know, I, I live for the heat. I'm excited for it. And, you know, people try to tell you not to complain. I'm like, no, I'm going to complain when it's too hot. I'm going to complain when it's too cold. But I appreciate the heat, especially if the heat is going to stay around to kill the coronavirus off. Because allegedly, <laughs> allegedly it can't survive in the heat. So if that's the case, come on, come on, 100 degrees. Let's get this coronavirus out if, because if, we have more things we need to deal with right now. If that's the case, nobody in Washington Heights has coronavirus because <laughs> we we just cook in here. <laughs> right. And I know the heat all... See, that's the thing about, you know, heat and how you understand what it means to be hot because there's, you know, just straight heat and then there's heat plus humidity. And, you know, these Midwest boys out here, that humidity... Humidity have you feeling like you are really in the oven and can't breathe. <laughs> and I've been to Florida and I've been to California, you know, those two of the hottest places in uh, around these parts. But uh, that heat in California feels like a magnifying glass on top of me. <laughs> the first time I experienced it. Of what? You seen the pictures of people uh, baking cookies in their car? No. You just put them on the sheet, put them um, up front in your window. And you just you just go in the Walgreens. You come out with some fresh cookies in the car. And see, that's exactly you know they used to do the uh, what do you call it like the eggs on uh oh hold on. Uh, eggs on the sidewalk. Yeah, eggs on the sidewalk. But um, hold on one second. <laughs> hold on one second. I gotta press technical difficulties. I had a few things going on here. But you want to know what? With my podcast, I'm learning how to mix. Uh, you know, uh, these sounds and these pro- these things on here. So it will help me when I need to mix my music as well. But I was on one of the lanes or lines or whatever you call this stuff on this here computer. You know, I need one of the kids to help me with the technology. But uh, we're all good now. So I'll get into why I wanted you here. And I am checking in with people that I know, some of my friends and a lot of my creative friends to see how they are doing and how they're feeling right now with the ways of the world and how the protests are happening all around the world. Because we've had, you know, um, black men be killed by police and they've been pushing our faces over and over for years. And we've had protests and some of us have been to protests. We've spoken out against it, but it's a little different feeling right now. It's it's something for me that it's a first experience for me. I, I haven't felt like this type of resistance from each of the last protests that have happened. How are you feeling, DJ? Uh, yeah, it, it's different this time. You know, this revolution just hits different than yeah. the other ones. <laughs> it does. Um, because, like, for me, like, I grew up in Ohio. I've been in Ohio all my life. And whenever these videos come up, you know, it's never there. It's it's in, you know, Louisville somewhere, somewhere far right. the hell away from me. And now I'm seeing videos. I live in New York City. This is down the street, my guy. Like, yeah. this, is, this is real. Like, I walked next to the people getting their ass beat. Uh, like, that's, that's insane to me. So for me, it's, it's a different level of real than it was 
um, back home. Uh, and I went and protested this week um, because, like, you know, there's there's no excuse not to when you ain't got no job, ain't, no, right. ain't nothing open, and right. people are threatening to beat you and your people's ass. So, like, right. what are you going to tell your kids when they're like, hey, what were you doing? And you're talking about eating Doritos, watching Tiger King. Like, th- there's no excuse. Now, listen, so, I will say that there are some people, I'm sure, who don't feel like their place is out there on the line or in the streets. I do know uh, there's a few, few women in the um, Youngstown area that I definitely look up to. One's a lawyer, one's a doctor. And one was talking about, um, it was on Facebook, I was just going through comments and reading um, posts. And I love social media for the reason, for the ways we can stay connected. I know there's a lot of negativity with it, but we stay connected in a way that I appreciate. And the, uh, the elder that's the doctor said she wasn't going to the march because she had been marching since, since 1961 and she felt like the marches weren't doing anything maybe for her. Now, those aren't her exact words, but she just said, you know, we've been marching since 1961. We need to come up with a, you know, a new way, a different way. And I know people my age feel that way too, because for me, it, I'm, I know I'm afraid to be out there because I know it can get crazy. Like at the blink of an eye, at the snap of a finger, it can be you, you know, that could be the last step you take going out there. And I am trying to figure out like, you know, with this situation here for me, I'm wondering what happens when the pressure kind of goes down, when it a new story comes about and we switch to something else, um, when uh, everybody kind of gets back to their norm of life, how, how are we going to react then? You know, what's the plan and who's in charge of the plan? Or how, who gets to say what's, what happens next for a whole community? I think that's the really beautiful part of all this. Because like, like you said, not everyone's place is, is on the front lines in protest. And I've gone out and protested once. Uh, there are people that have been out there every day, but there are also other things that you can do, like exactly what you're doing right now with your, with your podcast and talking about the issues. And there are people with platforms online, like I have... I have my own live show that, like, I'm talking about these issues on. And there are other things that you can do to help with this fight. But as for your question of what we do next, that's something really exciting to think about. Because if you really think about it, this is Gen Z's or, or like, our generation's first time actually, like, fighting for something. We, we've been doing this by the law for the last 20-some years. And this is, this was like the last straw, I think. I think from now on, things are going to go differently. Like, we're not just letting the people in charge dictate our lives anymore. So I think the protests and, and the revolution now has caused a lot of positive change. You Minneapolis, where, where this all started, has completely... Um, their city council just voted to start getting rid of their police force. Um, and they're going to start um, the process of defunding and finding different ways to have law enforcement and, and health and safety, which um, L.A. just took $150 million, um, from their police budget and they're putting it in communities. New York 
not doing as much as we would like right now. So we're still out here fighting for sure. Um, but you are seeing a worldwide look at yes. how the police work and if we even need them still. And so the world before March is gone. Um, at first it was just coronavirus right. stuff, but now we're looking at a brand new, we're at a blank template. And we're about to fill it in with all new stuff. And it is actually very exciting. So as for what we do next, I don't know. <laughs> but I think it's going to be for the better. Absolutely. And I just want to say that at that point when you said it, as far as how people view the police worldwide, it does break down to it being more of, than just race. Because it breaks down to this level of authority feeling like they are the Avengers and they have these superpowers that they were born with and they can control our lives and tell us whatever they do once they go through this academy and get this badge and, you know, become a basically above citizenship. And that's not the case. When they're supposed to police the cities for the citizens, when they're supposed to make you feel safe in your community. I was watching a few, you know, I just can't stop watching everything that has to deal with this or try to educate myself on how to move forward but also one of the most important things I want to say for myself especially is how to not you know lose my mind how to not overwhelm myself how, how not to just like be completely terrified or at the you know looking left and looking right so I've just been trying to you know educate myself and just watch videos and just see how everybody is feeling around the world but I tell you it's a lot of nice insight it's a lot of people with important messages out there spreading those messages so i'm trying to keep my eyes open and my heart open yeah um for for some hope i mean what keeps me going is the fact that i was i was there i was there on the front lines with these people and it's not like what it is in the videos like we only see you know when the police are throwing tear gas or you know, when they're just beating people up on the street. But here, here's the thing is like, I was there. These are some of the nicest, most like passionate people that you've ever met. And they're all so different. Everyone, I'm, I'm marching with thousands of people and they're all so different, but they're walking around with hand sanitizer, making sure like coronavirus isn't spreading. They have snacks. Like, people are passing out snacks. For you know free. what we need? Nobody... What? I think we need all those people, because there's a lot of people, I see a lot of posts about people being out there for clout, but I think we need our influencers, our people who do take photos, our people who do take videos, to be out there getting their the story out for us, because the news is half entertainment. Sports are half entertainment. So although there are people who are very talented in sports, you want to see the top two seeds in the final. You don't want to see the top, you know, the eight seed. You don't want to see seed 15. You don't want to see this person you never heard of before make it to the final. You know, they could turn that around and making a beautiful story and be like, oh, this guy was great this one week. But you want to see those top two seeds. You want to see the preview. You know, you see a good preview for a movie. You see all the action. You go see that. You keep your eyes on that. They don't show you the the normal life parts for previews in a movie. So the media is going to take a video they're going to see the tear gas they're going to see um some pushback from a few uh protesters they're going to see some people breaking into businesses and they're going to be like that's it that's the headline that's the story that's exciting 
that's going to make us talk. Holding hands and kubaya won't be as interesting. So they are controlling the narrative. And I do think people who have their own, um, right now, until you know Trump shuts all social media sites down, people who do have their phones, get those videos out there, repost, repost, repost those videos. Don't repost all the negative stuff. Repost the videos of the people who are out there on the front lines. Like right now is the moment for people who do want a career in journalism on their own to take their phone, to take their camera, to take their people with them and get out there in the streets and tell those stories. And us in our community, we do need to reshare those stories, repost those stories for the actual people on the ground to show what is actually happening. You know, people need to go live and show what's going down on the ground because we are upset with somebody who's still showing us what's happening from their point of view. Absolutely. There's so much good out here and like people need to see that because that's what's winning right now. It's not the, it's not the looting. It's not the rioting. It's the good people out fighting for a good cause. And those people always win. And we've seen it done over and over again, the revolutionary war, the civil war, and, and the war we're fighting now against police brutality. And we're winning. The government is doing things about it. They are listening and it's going to change the world forever. Yes, and how ironic is it that this time is happening? Our first show together was a musical. It was Hairspray. <laughs> and Absolutely. how how ironic is it that we are living through this moment now that that show was set in the 60s, but it was a movie in the 80s, and then it became... Um, uh, Broadway show in the early 2000s and, the, and then the later 2000s it became, mid to late 2000s it became a, you know, a big film but either way, every time it was released, the message was relevant second time release, the message was relevant, third time release the message was relevant, the message is still relevant for a show that was written about something that happened in the 60s and about, you know, what is it, 60 years ago and here we are here you are playing a Negro in a show written in the 60s, protesting. You know, I know where I've been. And here you are as yourself in your 20s, protesting. What they say, when life imitates art or art imitates life? It's really like a beautiful thing, honestly, because I watched um, a clip of that the other day that um, the director posted. And I remember working that scene and I assistant directed the show, so I go I go to Chris, and the first time we sang it, and I was like, Chris, something's not hitting. <laughs> something's not right about this. And and he goes and explains the struggle that these kids are facing of should we do the right thing because we could get hurt, we could ruin our lives by it. And and then we thought about that and we sang it and it was beautiful. But this time when I watched it. Having lived it, having been there, having been putting on the glasses, about to get tear gassed, and it hits different when you've experienced it. So I think our generation, looking at those moments, because like we can watch history movies all we want, but we've only watched them and been like, man, that sucks. I'm going right. to go to Applebee's now. But now we right. have seen it, and we've lived it. And it's happened it, to you. Right, and now it's a completely different thing, and I think, like, man, it's it's going to be incredible to see how 
everything changes after this. I love your outlook on the and your optimism on what is going to happen and the change that is going to come because a lot of people don't have that view. And I know for me, I, I fear, and you know, especially people who are have been living for 70 years and they're like, yeah, I did an interview with a, a guest um, and she felt like she was seven in her 70s. She felt like the world hadn't changed that much. Cause I would say I would say to her, I said, everything's changed so much. And she said that much hasn't changed. It may seem like it has changed, but for her, a 70 year old black woman, she felt like not much has changed for her. And you could go and say she experienced some of the worst as a person of color during the times that she was growing up as a little girl, something she may have seen, well, something she did see with her own eyes, something that happened to her. So it's great to hear you be optimistic about the future because it can be scary. But I did um, want to ask you, were you able to get a chance to listen to the um, my last episode with um, the few guests that I had on? Oh, you see, what had happened was, uh, you know, I was out here fighting for the revolution and stuff. Now so I was it's busy. relevant. I was busy. Don't use the route. Re- <laughs> don't you dare use the revolution. I'll, you, I'm late to work. You, well, you see, I was actually protesting in the streets <laughs> and late to court. Well, I was actually protesting in the streets against yet this very right here. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to have to be excused. You're not excused. But anyway, oh. <laughs> there. Um, I hope you should still listen to it if you get a chance, because the guests that I had were amazing. They had a lot of great things to share. But overall, my, what I feel like. I felt like I was, you know, I didn't know where my place was in what's going on right now. And, excuse me, I usually do this on my own, but I don't usually share, like, what I, I don't really share that often, what I learn or, you know, how often I go back and listen through my episodes and see how everything went and what I learned. But I, I went back through this episode and realized how many things that I had knew but kind of didn't pay much attention to or a lot of things that I learned for the first time. And um, the uh, one of my guests, Tasia Sims, she um, made a post, and it was a post. It was a quote from Nina Simone. It said, "It is the artist's duty to reflect the times." And it hit me because I have heard Nina say that. I have watched documentaries where she has said that. Many a times, I've heard that um, quote, and it kind of helped ground me to then share my voice because I was afraid to share, you know, my opinion based on who might get upset. And I didn't want to be against the grain, you know, having my own point of view against the mass or what I feel like people may think is the most important now for us as a community. So that definitely was something that um, stuck with me. And that's what I'm trying to encourage, um, you know, my friends to do as well. Because I have reached out to several of my friends, you know, especially my creative friends to remind them to continue to create to continue to share their gift because when we do look back in times throughout history there are artists that we definitely know were very relevant and right there in the middle of the fight but there also were songs that people sang that influenced love in the community influenced hope in the community you know one song i think of the most is we shall overcome you know they made that song for people to be inspired to have hope that this is gonna happen for us we are gonna overcome they united and it was one voice and they said those words together so i want to use my voice 
to inspire, to influence, to to spread love. But I, I want to share the message with my people and especially the people in in this community for us to hear each other. Because when you read somebody's post on Facebook, you can take it a certain way or, you know, messages start flying. You know, now I got to try to go back and read your message in context or in place because I messaged at the same time you did. And so did four other people. Messages get all over the place. And it's a lot of people to have, you know, individual conversations. So this is what I'm trying to use, you know, my platform for to help spread that message. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've had like an issue with with my platform because like I tend to keep it um, really light. I tend to keep it, um, you know, away from conflict. I have a show, uh, Wine and Cheese with Deej, where literally the point of the show, um, like I, I made it during like the middle of coronavirus because there was so much just bad news all the time that people needed a thing Absolutely. to just, you know, relax. And, and that's what the show is about is, you know, having a glass of wine, answering some silly questions and, and just having fun throughout the week and now i i'm having to use it to inform people um about what's going on and answer the questions that people have um because people need a place to be informed on these things and there have been so many of my friends um and and family members who have reached out and been like hey dj what do you think about this because they don't know how to think about it and i think as artists that is our job is to tell the people what's going on and give them a platform to watch not to tell them what they should think but to give them the option to have all the sides right listen to um because like you said the news is a scary thing and the news is going to put out what is going to get them ratings or just um, lie <laughs> or just lie or just we, flat out lie <laughs> just wall the wall just all lies right just, not, or just completely erase the truth erase the history and just completely lie and then when they get caught they just were like look over there like it's, just, it's a new it story what? it's like wait what oh you know what this is upsetting or oh this this is interesting Wait, what was what was I upset about? <laughs> Media. That's confusion. exactly what it is. <laughs> but um that's one of the things I like right as everything started to happen, I was gonna release a podcast, one of my episodes with my best friend, and then I was like, Well, I don't know. Should I don't I don't I don't know if I should release this right now because it has nothing to do with what's happening right now. But with you know, wine and cheese with Deej, why you created that is still a very important thing in the world that people need is an escape a release some type of peace to make it through the tough times because you can't just be tough and upset all the time you need that release you know i watched a movie yesterday and trey always laughs at me he called me a crybaby calling me out my name calling me a crybaby but uh i watched this movie called um love simon and it you know it connects with me from you know i was i was that guy and you know, me and Trey are in a relationship together. He's gay too, but our experience—y'all are gay. Just we just decided yesterday. So, um, <laughs> oh, wow! Congratulations, man. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming, 
you know, but who knows tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's a new day. So we like to switch things up, you know, <laughs> but we've been delivered a uh, numerous amount of times. So you never know. But, um, again, our, our journeys were different, but for me, it was just, it's a different, t- it's just a bunch of different emotions watching it for, uh, you know, just being happy that I'm in a new place or just being sad that people still feel this way. But for me overall, I was just like, I was just so happy to like see the representation again. Even though I've seen the movie, I was just like, wow, this representation of this on TV is me and it's very moving. But you know, I didn't forgot why I was telling this whole story. But <laughs> but, but anyway, um, Again, like these things in the world, like I said, wine and cheese with Deej. I just try to keep the, um, in mind that people do need these times to have some type of peace and, you know, still sometimes joy. So, and also there are still advertisements on TV, um, on the radio. People are still purchasing items off Amazon. People are still going out every week to buy alcohol. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to still do my podcast. You know, people do, are involved a lot with everything going on but you can still spread your voice in a positive message especially within our community absolutely you know people definitely do need something to sort of wash down all of of the just crap and negative nonsense that they're doing so if you do have a platform that is comedic i i encourage you to do post things um, that are, you know, appropriate for the time that we have. Like, I don't think KKK jokes are appropriate at the moment. Right. Um, but oh, like, be ready for backlash. Please understand that your words do have consequences and understand. But for me, I said I ain't canceling nobody black. Um, <laughs> it's just what it is. We're going to have to def- we're going to definitely have to scold them. We're going to definitely have to probably drag you. You might get drugged real bad. You might get drugged, but I ain't going to cancel you because I think my mission is to, um, one of the missions I have is to work throughout our community and try to bring some healing. And the way I'm going to do that is just have people express how they feel and for people to hear them. You know, a lot of, you know, our community have, we have a lot of issues within our own community that we need to fix as we go out into other communities asking for equality. We don't have the best equality in the black community, let alone asking for it for someone else. So I think you need, we need to work on home and we can't sweep anything under the rug anymore. There's a lot of things that happens right inside the black community that we need to proceed with love and in order to move forward. So that's one oh, of yeah, the things I'm going to be working on. Because uh, all eyes are on us right now. Yes. Um, we, we are asking for the world to treat us in a positive way. So we need to present ourselves in a positive way that reflects our culture and the people that we are. We should not have to change, you know, our blackness um, to fit into a society that is white. However, we need to present ourselves in a positive way that people want to be a part of our culture. You see, people do want to be a part of our a part of our culture. They just don't want to be a part of it. They don't want us to be a part of it with them. They just want to. That's how, they they want to take it. They take the culture. It's like Justin Bieber said, "I've benefited a lot off of black culture." You don't say. <laughs> Hadn't noticed. Hadn't noticed. 
and I understand. I actually just saw a video of him, and I'm not bringing it up to drag him, but I saw a video of him saying the N word with the hard R as a kid, and oh, then yeah. a few years later, him saying a joke that I've heard black people say with the chainsaw. And for some people, was like he was a kid, he made a mistake. I'm like, yeah. That, that's great because he's is it because he's a young white boy you know he, there's that same thing they were so easy to be like it was just a mistake we under he understands now and i understand that and i'm not trying to fault him or you know drag him under the dirt but i was like even then uh, he was if he was a teenager i'm like he knows better he knows better somebody was recording him and to me that wasn't just for him to see the video that video was sent out to maybe a group of friends but you did that knowing better Right. And I did read an article where Usher said he took him and I don't know who the other person was, his mom or manager, and set him down and had him watch videos and documentaries about um, racism, s- systemic racism, and where this word derived from. So I'm glad Usher did that and looked at him as a child for that in that situation instead of just being you know, like dropping him and being like, oh, this dude's a complete lost cause because clearly he didn't feel like he was a lost cause. And Justin Bieber definitely went through a period in his life, you know, being a child in the industry where he had to take a few years off to mentally get his life together because mental, mentally he was falling apart. And when right. people fall apart mentally, a lot of times it could put you in, into suicidal thoughts. So I'm glad he's in a clearer space mentally. And again, he was raised by white parents who were raised by their white parents and in my eyes in America there's a lot as a high chance of it being either racist or prejudice passed out in your family so those things were okay for him however long until he may have realized all right that's not okay but I did acknowledge what I saw it was the first time I ever saw it I was like wow this is you know, I'm not going to be mad forever, but I was just like, wow, I can't even believe he, he said that. He was sitting in a room with friends and they just recorded it like it was okay. I'm like, wow, that's how, and you know, I went to school with kids like that. I had a friend, I went to his graduation party. He was like, I just want you to know I have some uncles here and they're racist. I was like, I sang oh, at his yeah. graduation party. I was like, uh, okay, I'm glad you told me at the door, but you know, that's not him. That is not who he was. That was his family. And even for him to say that, like, I know his mind is different than theirs. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, well, how much of what they did, what they do think, rub off on you? Right. No, man, I grew up in a place called Patasla, Ohio. And that is where they make white people. Uh, (laughs) You look at your closest white friend and look at the bottom of their foot, it just says Patasla, I promise you. You just check. <laughs> um, but, like, I had friends that uh, said that, too. Like, they were like, my best friend, Jeremiah, um, he he was like, hey, man, my dad is, like, super racist, you know? And, and you never know what to do with that. But the only thing that we can do is put our best foot forward to these people that are judging us for no reason. And let me tell you, I've known Jeremiah for almost 10 years, no, over 10 years now, and me and his dad are tight. <laughs> we are cool. I have had dinner with this man. He's taken me in his home uh, when needed. Um, are his ideologies the same as mine? No, absolutely not. Um, but, like... Putting your best foot forward sometimes is the best thing you can do because then you prove the people wrong. Um, 
that that they're wrong about us and they're wrong about you. And I, I assume that that's what you've been doing as well. Like, I don't think you walked in and changed for those people uh, because someone told you they were racist. No. I don't think you put, <laughs> put the white face on. No. And like, I know you. You've never changed for anybody. So, so I think that's just what you have to do is, right. is put your best foot forward. And I think that's what the community is doing right now is nobody is changing who they are. They're saying we're who we're going to be, but we're good people. Right. And we want what's best for, for everyone. Right. Nobody's going to like that, everything everyone does. Absolutely. And that's what, and that's what the world is seeing right now is like, these are good people. Like the, like maybe there's something wrong with the police. Maybe these videos aren't just random. Right. Maybe there's something going on here. Man, there's a video going viral about this um, with this young white girl talking to her parents and she's letting them have it. <laughs> I was like, yes, girl, go. And I'm like, even with, because there's some black people I know that are like, F all white people. I'm like, no, we can't just say F everybody. Like, I know y'all just want to be with the, with the get down, but that's not going <laughs> to help either. I would have no friends if we had <laughs> to cancel all white people. I come, you know, I'm like, I'm like, come on, we know all is never the you know the fact it's never all that's 90 percent of my fan base i'm like what y'all ain't checking for me <laughs> listen <laughs> that is another conversation for another day but dj i do have to move on to my next guest but i want to have you back on because i just want to discuss you know it's your career. I want to discuss the positive things, but I do need you to listen to my previous episode. There's this documentary that Cage, um, you know, Cage, uh, he watched and he brought up and it's called Not Black Enough and it's on Amazon Prime. I watched it. Well, I'm currently watching it. I'm about halfway through, but it's a really good documentary. And I think people of all shades of black have at one point felt not black enough but I've just encouraged my guests to watch it because I think that's one of those things like I said there's a lot of issues in our own community that we need to start dealing with as we deal with the big picture because we need to be strong when we go to war I'm like we're going to war we need to make sure we're good is everybody buckled up you're only as uh, strong as your weakest link is, are we all good is everybody's shoes tied we need to be checking on each other so with that you have to check on the feelings and the emotions too so I'm going to be encouraging some people to watch this documentary. But after you watch it and listen, I would love to have you back on to hear your thoughts on it. Absolutely. And, and I will watch uh, the previous episodes. You know, I, I don't support nothing until I'm on it. Uh, so I don't know why it took so long to get me on. The, like, what are we, season two? Oh. Even the season finale of season one? I don't, I don't know about this, but now I'm here. But so we're I'm elevated gonna, now. Watch the rest. We're elevated now. Listen, I don't really have to be in the same room with you. We're going coast to coast, okay? This is crazy. This is wild. Right. This but is it was, technology it was a never time. dreamed of. I can't of. wait to be back. Oh, yes, absolutely. I appreciate you. And again, I appreciate your optimism and your hope. It was very encouraging. And I hope other people feel it when they listen. Awesome. Bye. We'll see you later. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you, DJ. And you have a very good rest of your day. You too. All right. Bye-bye, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back and I have another guest with me. This guest is someone I've had the pleasure of working with 
the pleasure of watching grow and forming a really nice relationship with. And ladies and gentlemen, I give you Anne-Marie Lowry. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you, Anne-Marie? Almost through. I'm almost through the week, so that's exciting. But I'm pretty good. Well, that that's good to hear. I will let you know that that response is very different than most people that I have had on in the last few days. But um, I'm absolutely glad that you accepted my invitation to come on and speak with me during these times because mm-hmm. we've had a lot of heavy things going on in the world in the last in the last forever but definitely in the last you know few weeks and especially starting here out with the whole coronavirus uh pandemic everything recently has seemed to push that aside and people kind of forgot that there's still this virus out there but i'm hoping that it goes away allegedly i heard some things about the heat that kills it off so if it's gonna be 100 degrees all summer to kill off the coronavirus I'm fine with that, you know? Yeah, I am too. I didn't know that that was happening. That's awesome. That's what works. If it works. Yes, you know, definitely if it works. So I, I I wanted to have you here because what's going on in the world right now is not just a um, disagreement or a war between white and black people. It also is us as citizens, you know, like versus authority, like versus the police. It comes into this power of authority that they have to where they feel like they can do whatever they want to anybody. But for us as black people, it seems to be the majority or we seem to get it way more, way harsher and just the disadvantage of it in a lot of cases. But and um, again, like I said, I'm I'm happy for you to be here, and I want to make sure you know that I'm here with an open mind, and this is a safe space for you to express how you're feeling. And I know, like with social media right now, there's a lot of people saying stuff, and I'm just I'm just gonna keep it real with you, like I always do. But there's a lot of people saying a lot of stuff on social media right now, and I know as a person that is not black, it probably puts you in a place to where it can make you feel nervous to say anything, to interject, to add anything. Um, maybe it, you can feel guilty for not saying anything or maybe feel guilty to, you know, wonder if you've offended anyone. But um, as a woman, because you're a woman now, you know, you're grown now. <laughs> I saw, you were just a little baby and now you're all grown up. But as a woman in you know, a city, an urban city like Youngstown, but also in an interracial relationship, I wanted to um, reach out to you to see, you know, one, how you are feeling. Like, how are you feeling, enduring, and seeing all of what's happening in, in America? How does it make you feel? I kind of tried to gather my thoughts before I talked about this because. I think everyone can kind of agree that there's so many different emotions that happen that you really can't pull them apart and they kind of all blend together which at the end of the day all of my frustrations combine to frustration frustration that my people that I love and care about are being mistreated and constantly mistreated frustrated that other people talk 
so poorly about the movement that can't see what's really going on. I'm frustrated because I can't really do what I want to do, which is to end it all. I can't do that. The only thing I really can do is to continue to educate myself. So I'm so frustrated with everything happening because there's so much I want to do, but there are a lot of things that I can't do because I am white. Also, I am a 22-year-old woman in Youngstown, Ohio, and because I am not in charge of the United States or the police department. So a lot of it just comes back to constant frustration. That was very well said, Emery. I'm glad you thought about what you wanted to say before you said it, because I think that's a huge problem with people in general, especially people who have a strong opinion on something. They don't even think to understand why they feel so strongly about this situation. I totally agree. And I struggled at the very beginning of when the movement really was taking force um, and continues to grow, I was really struggling to make my own words um, cohesive and actually public. So I was using other words and other pictures people were posting because I felt those pictures described what I was feeling, the feeling. And it took me a couple of days to finally make a post on a platform that were my words and my thoughts because I was seeing so many things and I didn't like reading people's posts that clearly did not think their things. I mean, from grammatical errors to just (laughs) I think, uh, you know, prejudice, I think that people weren't really acknowledging. I'm talking about um, white people in this instance, they didn't acknowledge their privilege in their posts. So it sounded very much like they were the victim and they weren't really acknowledging what the real problem was for the people that were being persecuted. Um, so I took a really long time to try and figure out what to say. And even today, I mean, I have really thought through some of the things I wanted to say and I know right now some of it will just kind of be spewing because you're so easy to talk to and this is the first time besides talking to my mom that I've really talked in depth about it um, with someone else well how was it talking with your mom my mom is so open to everything my mom was one of the first people to out to me to see how I was feeling about everything. She wanted to have a conversation about it. We talked for a couple of hours about it. She has donated and she has posted and she has been as active as she can. It is interesting because I'm the kind of person I am I was born in 1998. My mom was born a lot way before that. Right. So she can kind of tell me, hey, Henry, think about it this way, and let's 
you know, gather your thoughts a little bit better because I was kind of acting very rash. I was just kind of saying how I felt, what I saw, what I didn't like about this, or I felt what I didn't like about this. And she was thinking, yeah, I don't like any of those things either. I don't. But this is what you can do to make things a little bit better. He is the first, not the first, he is one of the most influential uh, people in my life, and she said to me, the best thing you can do is educate yourself. Educate yourself, that is what I'm trying to do. She said, I'm acknowledging my white privilege, and I'm educating myself so that if I have to have a conversation with someone that doesn't understand, I can actually talk to them. So my mom is the absolute best. She really is um, working with the Black Lives Movement to um, kind of make a better world right now, which everyone's trying to do. Absolutely. Um, It's beautiful to hear, especially knowing your mom, because your mom (laughs) is just so loving, you know? She mm-hmm. is just so full of love. I love the way she loves her children. And she does, she seems like a mom, like as her title, like not just oh, to yeah. her kids, yeah. but to ch- people all over the world. Like if there was a job for moms, like she would apply to be just a mom, <laughs> yeah. you know? She would, yeah. That's how I feel about like some people in the world. Like like they have these certain characteristics of things that we equate with certain um titles like mom or best friend or girlfriend it's almost like theater you know it's like oh she definitely could be a mom she's definitely a mom character so if you're looking for a mother this is so she's definitely typecast as a mom it's so good to hear that she's proactive not only Mm -hmm. as a mother but as a white woman in america to Mm -hmm. recognize that and like i say i so i'm so good to hear that she is reaching out to you and her children to make a difference because in this fight it's not just like I said black versus white it comes down to it's we're humans we're all humans and for us as the black community and a lot of times throughout um, humanity when we do fight we do have more than just us out there there has been a lot of times where we have had people come from the outside to help us it's we it can, we can be weary because of the trust that has been dismantled in our country overall and i know a lot of people speak off of emotions so i i've been trying to be careful about how i express myself through the times too because you know you don't want to offend anyone but that makes everything that much harder too it's like, wait, 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 what did I say? Wait, did I say yeah. something? I'm so sorry I didn't mean it like this. But sometimes, a lot of times people just don't think at all. And it's just, it's hard to visualize like what the solution is going to be, being that so many different groups of people within a group of people have are like the ones who have to decide. Like, does it come down to a vote of what's going to happen? But it's good to hear that um, not only knowing that we're working to a cause for us, for ourselves, but there are people outside of our community that is that believe in that same message. So what people don't understand when they say, when we say Black Lives Matter, and they say All Lives Matter, 
that includes black lives. So what are you arguing? And they give the the perfect example is the house on fire. It's like, hey, if your house is on fire and the fire truck comes and I say, hey, can you pose my house? And you're like, what are you talking about? My house is on fire. And I'm like, but my all house matters. You know, all houses matter, right? Mm-hmm. But your house matters more because it's on fire. And we've mm-hmm. been in an internal flame for so long. And people have just been walking over it. They've just been breathing by it and I'm sure people don't want to deal with the truth. They don't want to deal with the fact that they've had they've been privileged. They want to deal with the fact that um <laughs> black people are not what they think they are. They don't want to deal with yeah. the fact that they don't want to deal with the fact that black people aren't lazy. They aren't just these people who just want to be on the system. They don't want to deal with the fact that that's not true. That's what they know to be true. And they also don't want to deal with the fact of their prejudices either they don't want to admit it and uh, right now there have been you know especially with the economy and with businesses people have been getting fired so i'm wondering what that's going to lead to or you know because companies are saying a lot of stuff right now but we want to see action you know a lot of people are saying Oh, I support you. But it's just like theater. You know, somebody says they support you, but they never come see a show. They never actually see anything. Right. So I'm like, so I'm like, I know you like support me in the sense of you're all for what I'm doing, but like you actually haven't come out like to actually physically, you mentally support me, but can I get some physical support too, please? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, Mm -hmm. is it, is it asking for too much for us to ask for people for like physical support too? Especially not. No. Especially when it's never just going to be us. There's always going to be something going on. Somebody's always going to fall to that lowest rank. And you're going to want people to stand with you. You're going to want somebody in your corner. You're going to want people to try to understand you. Mm -hmm. So right now, Mm -hmm. we're trying to get some type of understanding. But when people don't understand you, you know, it's like a bowl in a china shop. You just start tearing shit up sometimes. You know, like, I know a lot of people are not here for the riots and the looting. Because I'm so, when I tell you I'm so sick of hearing looting, I have not heard the oh. word looting so... I'm like, have you forgot that people are also not working in poor... They're already poor. Mm-hmm. But they're even more broke now because their job had shut down for, you know, who knows how long. And, you know put people in situations they do things that sometimes they normally wouldn't and if they saw an opportunity to just go get something for their families to survive people forget people do things for a reason people aren't just stealing to steal sometimes sometimes they need it like sometimes they're like I have to go and do this because I don't have any other way right now and versus breaking into somebody's house like on the street they go to a big business a corporation business that's really not gonna lose much nope and I'm not like saying like that's okay, but the the reason people do things, uh, or there's always a reason people do things, but no one wants to address that. No one wants to address mm-hmm. why it's happening. They just go, well, they're looting. It, damn right, <laughs> damn right. And it's and but it's also five seconds of what the whole, the, everything that happened that day, and yeah. I'm just trying to you know. As a black man in America, these last couple of weeks have definitely been more tense than usual. And, you know, 
it's it's always tense. Mm-hmm. But these last few weeks, it's been it's it's been something I haven't experienced before. But um, how are you? How have your conversations been with Jeffrey? Yeah, whenever I said I haven't talked to him, I was thinking no, I definitely have talked to him, but the conversations are so different with him than with my mom. Um, because with my mom, I can spew a lot of how I'm feeling at her, and then she will say, "Okay, that yeah, I feel bad," or she'll, she'll give me advice and she will talk through things because we both are white women. And when I talk to Jeffrey, it's completely different because. He's a black man in America. I am not. I will never know how it feels to be black. And so when I'm talking to him, a lot of what I'm doing is just listening. Sometimes I don't even know what to say. It is sometimes so, again, frustrating because I want to say something to him. I want to, you know, try and say it's, you know, it's going to be better, but it's not it's not time for it's going to be better anymore it's time for something Thank needs you. to change we need it right and so i haven't said that to him because i honestly i want things to be better but do i know if they're going to who knows and so when our conversations normally i am just sitting there listening to him and it's really hard to hear someone that you love so much talk about being scared. I don't know what it is, especially since he's a man and an older, he's, you know, 24. So to hear a 24 year old man say, I'm scared, I'm scared to go for a run. I'm scared to, you know, talk to a police officer. I'm scared to get pulled over with you in the car. I'm scared. That is really unsettling to hear because he should feel safe. You all should feel safe, but you don't. Especially so, safe from the people who are supposed to protect you. Like exactly. when danger happens, you're supposed to call them, mm-hmm. but they become the danger. Now, who do we mm-hmm. call? Yep. And that's what Jeffrey said. He said, How am I supposed to feel safe if the people that are supposed to protect me the most? don't and so with him i have just listened and supported him and when he wants to talk about it we talk about it i will bring up things every now and then but i kind of wait for him to open up just like i do with a lot of um my black friends that are struggling right now I want to reach out and I, I do, but I also wait for them to open up because I'm sure that they are talking about things with a lot of people asking, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of um, white people that are trying to check up on their friends to make sure they're okay. And sometimes people just get exhausted of saying, I'm not okay. And I have been well aware that many of the black people that I know and don't know are not okay right now. And so the best thing I can do is listen when they want to talk and stand behind them when they are talking. And that's all I've been able to do with him and with a lot of people that I know. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely is exhausting. And I know a lot of people who have expressed mentally and feeling tired 
and, and even physically feeling tired because it's it's like being prey and you know it's just you know prey they they don't get to sleep you they're always on the move because you don't know where the hawk is if you're a small rabbit you know and, and you you're not going to be in an open field it just seems like we're just in an open field for like uh, I don't know what do they call um, like the firing squad the open season that's how it yeah. feels I feel like it's just open season and that's to where I used to feel like you know that might you know it could be me but now it's kind of feel, feels like it's gonna be me like and even though that's it seems like such a false reality it just seems too real right now because the way uh, that police officer just knelt on that guy's neck with no sense of any type of human traits of emotions for well-being of another human, you know? And I remember watching that video and just hearing the stories, watching other videos, and every time my heart aches and I feel so much sadness in my heart, but there's one thing I don't have to, I don't have to feel being, I don't have to worry about being that person. That, that story is not about me. That story won't be about me. But the fact that it has to be about anyone, especially an, another black person, it hurts. That's what that's what makes this so frustrating again. But again, I don't know how that feels. And that's frustrating for me to not know how to help you guys. But honestly, I I think a lot of things need to happen for things to get better. And I really hope that that's happening now. You know, a lot of people are putting putting a lot of emphasis on voting and I definitely agree, but I just feel like haven't we put emphasis on that for so long? Haven't have we have we been voting wrong this whole time? Have we yeah. just not voted right the whole time? So are we gonna this year we're just gonna vote right and then that's gonna change? But there are a tremendous a lot a, a tremendous amount of people and people black people who do not vote or who lost their right to vote. Because they went to prison. And when white people get so upset when we bring up slavery, because they're like, oh, slavery again. I'm like, everything everything stems from it. It it, it does. Everything still stems from it. I mean, it was, you had to, slavery was formed to change with the times. New people came up and came up with new ways for Idiots didn't come up with slavery. Okay, you can't be you can't be an idiot at anything you do. That even when it comes to being a thief, if you're a stupid thief, you get caught and you go to jail. Smart thieves don't go to jail. So these people were in smart. They came up with this system, and the system is steady changing. And these rules have been in these places for years and years and years. But it's, it's it. I'm like, do you you know art imitates life, life imitates art. Have you seen any? Movie, I'm like, this is not going to end well for us all. You will rather sacrifice so many people than giving up just a little bit, you know? 
I just feel like, I'm like, I just feel like they don't want us to exist. They don't want us to exist. They can't just kill us all. But what they do is find ways to get around things. So they revert us back to slaves when they send all of us to jail, when they send so many black men and black women to jail. That's how they get us back to being slaves. That's why there's more black people in jail than anyone. <laughs> and, you know, you could tell a white person that and they're going to be like, well, you know, they shouldn't have been out there committing those crimes. Oh, this unarmed black man got shot when he was running from the police. Well, he shouldn't have been running from the police. Well, he wasn't doing anything at all. They just started chasing him and they assumed he was somebody he wasn't and they were actually wrong. Well, you know, yes, well, you just got to comply with the police. But so many of them, they just are, you know, you can, you, you never know that, you know, that that's the narrative of America. The media is controlled by predominantly white people and that they control the narrative. Just like this killing, this thing went national but it did like why did it go national? There's other cases like this. It's like who decided that this was going to be the one? Who's in the room making choices of all right? We're going to blast this one. We're going to blast this one. Or does it does it just does it catch fire? Does, do they swipe it from under us and throw something else in our faces and make that the big thing? You know these organizations that are working together. You know, like Disney World owns so many different things in the world. It's it's literally a monopoly. It scares me for one company to own so much of one, so much of the world. I was like, that's just scary to me, especially <laughs> especially me being black and knowing that we don't have the opportunities to even be in that, to be yeah. in that situation. I'm just be like, damn, this that's I'm like that's crazy. But I know those people don't have my best intentions for the world yeah. or for my future. I just I'm like. You know, they can say whatever they want to say. People could put uh, the black fist up. They can put the pride flag on stuff. But I'm like, nah, that's for sure. You don't have my black, you don't have my best interests. I know it. I know it because ain't nothing changed for all of these years. You've been in charge for however long you've been in that position. Ain't nothing changed. It's like the NFL's sorry for what they, you know, did to Colin Kaepernick. Don't be sorry. It's like, no. that's what you meant. Stand up, stand up and be prejudiced. Be proud to be prejudiced. Oh, you won't because, uh, yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I just don't get it. I can't believe how many large companies were like going back on their word or trying to say something just because they felt like they should. Or even presidents of universities. Oh my goodness. Man. The amount of times that I have seen students on social media talking about how their president hasn't said anything, that blows my mind that a president in charge of a university or even a high school or anything doesn't comment on anything. I mean, I would feel some type of way um, if I was sending my, if I had to send a child to a university that wouldn't comment on something like this, I would feel some type of way. That's how I feel. And just the companies that don't say anything or if they do, you know they aren't telling the truth. Uh, so stand it. by America's standards, if you and Jeffrey have kids, you will have black kids. Yep. So if you two have kids, you will therefore be raising a black man or a black woman. And mm -hmm. that is going to create a completely new world for you in a new fight that is within itself. Another thing that we have to figure out how to deal with. Yeah. Because now you're going to be a white woman raising kids in a culture that essentially you're not a part of. And it will be a, a battle to be a part of 
and something you can't understand but have to try to understand the best of because mm-hmm. your kids are living in a different world than you. I can even, you know, I can imagine that for the the parents now because a lot of black people, you know, they don't trust white people. And when I say white people, I mean any white people. Like not just the president, not just the people in charge, their counterparts in their same city. Mm-hmm. So that conversation is a tough one and I don't. I, I, my heart goes out to those children too, who may be lighter or or her feeling some type of way or getting any type of, you know, discrimination right now. But as a community, as a black community, and overall as a, 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 the community of the United States, the or or the divided states, it's like. But you, you know what? America is funny. You know, they are just. They're one of the best magicians to ever do it. You know, they say we're the United States of America. Okay. Yeah, because. I don't see see it united. Right. And this, since the beginning of time, I mean, since the beginning of time, they have been pulling wool over people's eyes. And like I said, it's just a refusal. People in the position of power or the position of advantage, they don't care to change things because they're in the better position. Until it's them, until it hits a theater near you, quote Trayvon Maurice. <laughs> until it hits a theater near them, it does not matter. So that's why when people are walking through your neighborhoods tearing shit up, maybe you will understand. But they're just going to look at them as savages. Just like, you know, the Indians are just savages. And that's why they had to take America. Because they needed our help so, they needed uh, the Europeans' help so badly to be. Civil. Yeah, that's. I. Um, it's really difficult to explain how I feel when it comes to thinking about raising children in this country right now, or especially raising black children in this country right now. I have thought about it a lot raising children that are black what new things am I going to have to learn and I'm going to have to get ready to have conversations with them that I don't necessarily understand but I can come from my perspective and there are new things that I'm going to have to learn to do and it's all these things but now people have to be scared not just now um it's been around for you know absolutely so many years and decades and it's been around since the beginning of this country but you have to i would have to worry about raising a black child knowing that they will be put at risk at the hands of a police officer that is absolutely mind-boggling and i probably never know how that feels until I actually have to do it. And the fact that black kids that are already born have to worry about that. Men and women all sorts of ages have to worry about that because this country is supposed to be you know, as you said, united. Right. But it's constantly pulled apart and normally it has to do with rape. They're killing and, kids, too. Oh, my gosh. It's, it is so crazy. And the thing is, is those, those 
kids don't make it into the news. I hear of white children that are kidnapped or that are murdered or are gone missing. Those are the people that have the news channels. Those are the ones that have search teams going out for them. But I hear all the time of black kids that go missing and their signs are put up. But why isn't everyone getting a notification? Why isn't that on the news? Right. And that is that is so mind boggling. Yeah, it's it's the world we live in, and you know, I'm just not waiting, but I, I'm I'm anxious to see what happens in these next few weeks when everything does calm down, you know, and the world is opening back up all over and everything start, you know, Vegas is open or the big cities are opening back up. Broadway's opening back up and you're starting to pump things in and out. People are over COVID. You know, if COVID goes away and the world just starts running, where <laughs> is everybody, you know, going to be? Because people still do have their lives to live and you don't really let one thing consume you completely because you need balance. Mm-hmm. You, so you do need balance. So I'm anxious to see where we move from here, but I am also anxious to be a part of the pro- progress from this point yeah. forward. I know so many people say um, 2020 is going to be a hefty part of the, the history books. And I totally agree. But the fact that we get to live through that chapter, the fact that we're getting to see some change possibly being made is very, very intriguing. And I can't believe that 2020 is bringing finally more awareness to something that's been around but has not been changed. And the fact that we get to live through it is... It's really something that I never expected, but I'm grateful to see the change coming or to hopefully see the change coming and praying for the change to come. Right. So many people usually in history live through the bad for years Mm -hmm. that they never get to see the change. So it is interesting that we get to be a part and live through the change. And what I was going to say earlier is since the dawning of time, with discrimination, with prejudice, with racism, white people seem to despise black people, but at the same time, they they love us. They love mm. black people so much. They have always loved black people so much. They love black people so much, and they put so much trust into black people that when they did own slaves, the slaves raised their children. They would the, they would breastfeed their children. They were raising the white children, but they hate it. They just they think slaves are these um idiot just you know lowest term of you know basically animals but they let the animals raise their children and especially when it comes to entertainment don't get me started my gosh yeah so prejudiced so racist but love everything that we have ever done so much that they would take it and now it's just like justin bieber came out and said I've profited off of black culture and I want to be able to do what I can to be a part of this, you know, no, not in those exact words, but he was admitting that he has definitely profited off of the black culture and he wants to be a part of the change, you know, moving forward. I was like, yeah, sounds great. Where's everybody else? Yeah. 
that is really, um, that is something that I've seen a lot of people talking about, and I'm glad it's being talked about. Um, he definitely got chances to do things or so, some artists, white artists get to do things like Iggy Azalea was a white rapper for a couple of years. She got a number one. She won a Grammy. There are other artists of color that do the same thing that would never get the same recognition ever. And also for the same reasons, the Kardashians catch a lot of slack is because for them to enhance their facial features to be bigger, bigger lips, bigger eyes, bigger noses, bigger asses. But then black women be condemned for the actual natural features that they have that these women that are not of color purchase. That's why Justin Bieber said that. And that's why I'm like, where is everybody else? You know, put your money where your mouth is because you definitely have benefited off of it and taken a place of somebody else in this actual community. It's, uh, uh, this kind of goes off entertainment, but there have been so many shows, theater shows and plays written for white people. And just a few years ago is when people of all different kinds of races were allowed into those white roles. All of right. the Golden shows were predominantly white and were portrayed white until a few years, maybe on Broadway, they let a black woman step into the lead role. There's finally black Elsas. Right. Remember There's the one finally... guy was John Valjean? Oh my gosh. It just goes on and on. It, it, it's so crazy that people that the black community that works very hard at their craft and are just as talented as the white woman in their room won't get a role because of their skin color. And I just, I know there are certain shows that you definitely should play to the race. Hairspray and West Side Story and The Wiz. Listen, <laughs> I've seen all white productions of The Wiz. I'm like, it's The Wizard oh. of Oz. You don't do all white production of The Wiz because it's The Wizard of Oz. No. And, and when, when a white person says, I really wish you could just sing that song. Go sing another song. You don't have, there's million songs. Yes, to you have everything else. Like when white people were yeah. protesting Hamilton, I'm like, you literally have oh. every, you have everything else. We can't even have this because you want everything. We, you, we don't get nothing. We get Hamilton and then they're, they're protesting. What? You have everything already. You got to miss out this one time. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. This one time you get to miss out. Ooh. And with Hairspray, the owners of the rights just officially demanded or whatever they put into their contracts that said, you have to have black people in the show. You cannot do an all-white cast of finally, Hairspray. Finally. Why, is, why do we even need to say that? I know! How do you do an a all-white cast of Hairspray? You they, can't. Do they say, are they the Negroes for Negro Day? Like, Yeah, what do they, do they change the lyrics? Uh, are they doing blackface? Mm. Like, r right, do you change the lyrics, which is also uh, illegal? You can't do that. But, like, w what is going on? There are a million other shows that don't have to be that one. Exactly, but they just, you know what, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Even though we know, we don't have the people, we're going to do it anyway, because they can. Yeah. And it's just really ironic that mm -hmm. that was our first show together. I know. We talked about that. That is... Really just 
crazy, full circle. And you're literally Penny and Jeffrey of seaweed. <laughs> I know. I know. I I told him that. I'm like, I played Penny once, and he's like, mm, fitting. <laughs> yes, very fitting. And I talked to DJ about that. He was like, right. It's it's just amazing that like he's very optimistic and he's anxious and excited to be a part of the change that is coming. I just told him, I'm like, be safe while you're up there in that city. Yeah. Because they still have COVID. Yes. Yeah. New York has a lot of things going on. They always, that's one of the reasons I never wanted to move to New York. I'm like, if aliens attack, they go into New York. If somebody can send a (laughs) missile from here, they go into New York. If it's a flesh eating virus, it's going to New York. I'm like, all the bad things in movies happen in New York City. And it's a sign. I'm going to listen, you know? So (laughs) that's why I I just decided not to go. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, and as we wrap it up, I do want to thank you so much for being a guest and sharing your voice. And I do mm-hmm. want you to know that I would love to have you back as a guest to express how your, you know, your life of theater, because in these trying times, there's a quote that I need to remember, but I'm going to just look it up every time and I'm going to share it with you from Nina Simone. But one of my guests shared this with me the other day. And there's a quote by Nina Simone that says, it is the artist's duty to reflect the times. So I want to continue to, you know, reflect the times and reflect the artists and especially the artists in my city. So I would love to have you back and talk to you about, you know, your journey through theater and how you do feel about being an artist and having a platform and expressing that. Oh, I would love that. that this has been um, very important for me to talk to you and to kind of share my voice on a platform that I've never really gotten to. But also, now I'm going to go listen back to some of the things I said and think, huh, yeah, I could have worded this better or just being able to talk to you in such a safe place, I would love to do it again where I can learn more and also speak my mind a little bit. Absolutely. You know, I go back and listen through these sometimes and I learned a lot over the first year. My podcast turned one on June. What's today? On May 9th, not June 9th. Oh, May 9th? May 9th, my podcast turned one. So my birthday. We oh, have the same birthday. Oh my god. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> and I was going back through a lot of episodes, listening to a lot of stuff as I was coming up on the anniversary, mm-hmm. just so I could see how I grew over time. And it taught me a lot, you know. It it taught me that I do speak very quickly and I need to slow down. I need to figure out how to con- you know structure the conversation and direct without feeling like I'm like cutting somebody off. I still want to let people get their point of view, but I need to be in more control of the conversation because sometimes I would just let what I wanted to talk about go out the window because somebody else was feeling something, which I also am okay with. But I'm like, you know what? I really wanted to discuss this and I didn't get a chance to because I didn't want to come off like this. But I'm like, you know what? Be assertive and take charge and you know I need that's a life lesson too I'm like I need to be more assertive in life too so I've been learning Mm -hmm. a lot about myself but it's been great talking like with people 
that I already know and learning mm-hmm. even more about them. Definitely. I'm like, hey, I just never thought of sitting down talking to you about this. And this is so random. But mm-hmm. uh, now, you know, now that I'm a talk show host, I just think of all of these questions to ask people. So, yes, I definitely would love to have you back on as a guest. Great. So I do want to thank you. And um, you tell Jeffrey that, you know, to stay strong, we are definitely in this for the long, long haul. I will definitely tell him that. He will love hearing that coming from you. Well, yes, yes. We And tell him, shout out to, we saw him singing on Facebook the other day. Trey was in here going crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, he will love that. But you guys watched it. Oh, absolutely. Trey was like, sing, Jeffrey. Yes, like, he definitely was in here. I said, who was that? I thought it was Josh for a second. I said, come on, Jeff. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Sure did. But all right. And you have a nice rest of your day. Tell your mama, say hello. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.